to be in Matthew chapter 7. Very familiar text, I'm sure, with all of you that are here today. Uh, it's something that we don't often like to talk about because we're all guilty of it. But we're going to learn about what uh, the Lord is going to teach us today from this uh, text, Matthew chapter 7. You know, it's um, something that you and I have to do every day is make judgments. That's a normal human response. So when the Lord says, don't judge, there must be something that he's talking about as far as deeming worthy to judge or not to judge. He gives us a, a great example of things that we are to judge or to discern, at least, I should say. But primarily what he wants to talk to us today about is there are some things that we are not to judge. That's why he begins chapter 7 with do not, okay? We have to take that seriously. When the, word, the Lord tells us to do not anything, it's something that we need to be aware of and certainly understand it. He's not talking about tolerance, all right? We, we are, uh, as Christians today, we're tolerating a lot in our society. The Lord's not telling us to stop tolerance. He's, he's, he's not telling us to, to just put up with everything, to walk through this world blindly and to just let anything happen. He's not telling us to do that when he says, do not judge. Now, you'll get that thrown at you more than anything. You, you make a determination about something in our society, and their response is, do not judge. You're judging me. You're judging me. And we have to learn the difference this morning, and I hope that we can uh, learn the difference. There's this distinction that has to be made in what we judge and what we do not judge. Let's stand and read Matthew 7. Uh, you won't have to stand again till we go home, all right? <laughs> or at least till we sing another song in here. So, let's read Matthew 7, beginning in verse 1. Do not judge, lest you be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. And why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn and tear you to pieces. Let's pray. Father, bless your word for us in our heart and mind today, in our spirit. Help us to understand uh, this judgment thing. Help us to leave here with a clear picture of it. Help us to apply it to our life here forward. And we do it all in honor and glory to Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray, amen. You may be seated. God tells us not to judge, and then he ends that section with a judgment call. So that's why I gave it that title today. A judgment call needs to be made. What do you mean by that, Brother Clay? Well, who's a dog and hog in verse 6? Who's a dog and who's a hog in verse 6? You have to make a determination of who is a dog and who's a hog, right? There's a judgment that has to be made. There's a determination that you have to render in your life when you talk about holy things to particular people. The Lord says, don't judge, but then he turns around and tells you to judge. 
So what does he mean by that? It's not really that complicated. It's just something that has to be understood. Let me show you a couple other places where Jesus talks about judgment. John 7, 24, Jesus says, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So now you get the picture. He, he doesn't want you to judge, but he wants you to judge. He doesn't want you to condemn, but he wants you to discern. He doesn't want you to violate somebody. He wants you to help somebody. And so there's a big difference in the way that we judge or judge. Okay? I say that because it's funny that same word in the Greek and Hebrew we, we use as judge. The same word that you'll find as discerning, you'll find it in the Greek, it means judging. But we have two words to mean different things. When you judge somebody, usually it's the to the point where you're condemning a person. When you talk about somebody and, and they don't match up to your standard or they don't do what you want them to do or they don't act like you want them to act, and so you talk to them about, you talk to other people about them, you're making a judgment upon this person. And so the Lord is teaching us this morning, stop doing that. Do not judge somebody by condemning or placing a sentence upon them but we should discern between people so that we can treat them properly or reject them properly. Don't throw your pearls before swine. They'll trample them under your feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Don't give what is holy to dogs. You know, that's really in reference to a dog in the day Jesus was here was not a pet like you and I might have. A dog was a scavenger that roamed the streets, and, and people hated him. And, and, and the, the priest would take the leftovers of sacrifice, and they would throw them out, and the dogs would consume them. Jesus says, don't give what's holy to a dog. Now, the dog is often uh, used in terms of speaking to people. We, we'll, we'll read about that in just a moment. But I want you to make a clear distinction among yourself about judging and judging. All right, there, there's a difference, and God's going to help us to understand that. Judging leads to condemning. That's where the error comes in. That's what Jesus is referring to that we do not do. Why? Because you and I don't really have the final decision. We don't have the final determination about that person. We can't really judge somebody. We can't place a sentence upon them. You and I are not the final say. Amen? So... Paul writes to us to help us understand that a little better as well. He says, but you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Oh, that's getting a little more personal now, preacher. I, I didn't think we would go facing judgment. We'll all stand before the judgment seat of God, is what that verse actually says, not the one of judgment seat of Christ. So today... I hope that you learn to fulfill the distinction between judging and judging. Uh, kind of like this in Galatians 6, 1. Brethren, even if a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. 
Amen. There's some things that we need to do with judging. And Jesus says he wants us to fulfill his law. And so there's a difference in practicing that and, and learning it and practicing it. I can learn not to judge, but practicing that not to judge is more difficult because it's part of our everyday life and we all do it. We all hear it. We all are a part of it sometimes. And so we have to be careful. Jesus says, don't judge someone else. Don't do that. So here's the deal. We're going to learn the difference between judging and judging. All right? We're going to learn how to handle the scripture this morning. It's not complicated. It's just something that we don't often understand. The Lord called us in the Sermon on the Mount, which we are still in, by the way. He said that you are the salt of the earth, right? Sometimes the good old Christian salt gets rubbed into the wounds of another person until it doesn't become healing. It becomes aggression. It becomes harmful. It becomes deterioration. Salt can do both, right? Salt can heal, and then if it's rubbed in, it can do harm. So being the salt of the earth, we need to understand how to be the salt of the earth. Verse 1 and verse 2, Jesus lays out a principle that he's trying to teach us. Don't judge lest you be judged, for in the way that you judge, you will also be judged. I don't often think about verse 1 and verse 2 when I'm talking about somebody. But I hope that from today on, I, I will think about verse 1 and verse 2. I hope that I won't do what the Lord's telling me not to do. I hope that I learn from that today, the principle that's being taught. Look in verse uh, 1 of chapter 6. Here's another principle. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. That's a principle that Jesus is going to teach. And then he goes into the explanation there in chapter 6. Look in verse uh, 19 of chapter 6. Here's another principle the Lord lays out. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. That's the principle. Then he goes into the explanation of how to accomplish that principle in the rest of that verse. Look in chapter 7, verse 7. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. That's a principle that Jesus wants to teach. And in the remaining verses there of 8 through the rest, he teaches us how to pray. He teaches us how to ask and to seek and to knock. So it's a principle that God is trying to express with an explanation. And our text is the same way. Verse 1 and verse 2 is the principle the remainder that we read today is the explanation of that principle. Here's the explanation that Lord wants to teach you this morning. Examine yourself first. All right? Examine yourself first. Let's look at that again and read it. And why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Hey, we're all ready and we are willing to look beyond ourselves to find problems in other people. Aren't we? I mean, isn't that a practice that we do? I, I, I can, I can I, if I looked at myself, I don't have any problems, but if I can look at my kids, they got all kinds of problems. 
I can look at myself and I don't have any problems. I can look at my wife and say, oh, she's got a problem. I need to help her with that problem. She looks at me and she says, what about your problems? I don't have any problems. You see what I'm saying? We all are like that. We want to look at somebody else's problems and we want to help them with their problems before we look at ourselves. The principle is don't judge somebody because you're going to be judged just like you are judging them. The explanation is look at yourself first. You're going to help somebody out with a little piece of sawdust in their eye and you've got a big limb hanging out of your eye. How are you going to see to help them? That's what the Lord is saying to us. Look at yourself first. I would rather deal with you and your problems than to deal with my problems. And so that helps me to see others having problems. And then I can talk about it. Then I can, then I can uh, delve into it with other people. And I can talk about you and your problems because it makes my problems disappear. That's why we do it. It makes our problems disappear when I talk about other people's problems. We all have an answer to everybody else's issues. We know what they need to do, and here's how you need to do it. Here's what the Lord says about that in Romans chapter 2. Therefore, you are without excuse, every one of you who passes judgment. For in that you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. And do you suppose this, O man, that you will escape the judgment of God? If I can talk about somebody and, and rip them apart and looking at their problems and all of that and making mine go away, here's what the Lord is telling me. You do the same thing they're doing. Oh, it may not be the same way. It may not be the same behavior. But you've got issues yourself. And you need to look at things yourself. So stop looking at them and look within you. And understand, you are condemning them. You're saying they're wrong. You say they're going to face judgment. They're going to go to hell possibly because of the way they're living, the things they say, the things they do. And in Romans 2, Paul writes to us, you do the same thing. Do you think you're going to escape judgment? We need to be careful. Amen. We need to pay attention to what the Lord's teaching us here this morning. We have to see it as God sees it. Judgment then towards us is done by the manner of which I judge someone else. If I hold a standard over somebody's head, God's going to hold that same standard over my head. You know, that, that right there in itself makes me not want to judge anybody. If I don't judge anybody, then I'm less likely to be judged myself. That's why Jesus began this. Do not judge. Do not look upon others and place judgment upon them. The standard of judgment over us is what? What does God say in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 20? He says, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's the standard, righteousness. Better righteousness than the Pharisees have, according to Jesus, is required for me to get into heaven. So let me ask you a question. Do you possess the righteousness that God will accept to get you into heaven? Do you have that righteousness? Do you, uh, have you instilled that in your life? Do you 
possessed that? Have you become that person? You know, people say, well, I, I've got a, I've got a, I'm better than them. I, I, I'm more religious than they are. I go to church more than they go to church. I serve in the church more than they serve in the church. I do things in the kingdom of God more than they do things in the kingdom of God. They don't really have the righteousness that God requires to be accepted, in my opinion. Have you ever felt like that towards somebody? Listen, why I got quiet in here. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? Do you possess that righteousness? You need to remember something. Apart from Jesus Christ, you have no righteousness. Amen? You have nothing to get into heaven with. You are not righteous within and of yourself. It's only with Christ that we become righteous. And so it may be true about you and you being a better person and a better church member and doing all the things the way they should be done, but that's not the question. Do you possess the righteousness that is required to be accepted by God? To condemn someone is to point out that they fall short. When you judge somebody like that, you're saying they've fallen short of the righteousness God requires. And guess what? As I said, you don't have it either. None of us possess that righteousness except for Jesus Christ and Him alone. So, without, that, uh, without Jesus, we have no discernment. We cannot make a, a correct judgment call. If you have a beam in your eye, you cannot see to help the person take the speck out of their life. Because you don't have any more righteousness than they have apart from Jesus Christ. What should that do to my thinking? Am I going to be condemning to them because they don't have that righteousness that I think I might have? Which you don't have apart from Christ? And if you realize that, then it should change your attitude towards that person and you want to help them gain that righteousness that's found in Christ. Amen? Think about this. Jesus came to save the world, not to judge the world. And that's why he tells you and I not to judge. Look what it says in this famous verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Can somebody tell me the next verse? Here we, here we go. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through Him. If Jesus bestows His righteousness on you as a believer, because you have none of your own, but then you talk about people who don't measure up to your standard of righteousness, you need to remember something. You were given that righteousness freely. Freely you received, freely give. Amen? We need to stop judging other people and understand that Christ came 
to save the world, not to judge the world. So there's two kinds of judgment then. There is a, there's a condemning judgment and then there is a healing judgment. That's what Christ has come to do to save us. And so he makes a determination by making a judgment call. It's all done by you and I making that judgment call. It involves decision-making. As I said a moment ago, who are the hogs and who are the dogs? The Lord says, you have to determine that. He said, you don't throw what is holy to the dogs. You don't give your pearls to the swine. Don't cast your pearls before the swine. He didn't tell me who they are. He didn't tell you who they are. He said, you make a determination you make a discernment you make a judgment before you move before you act before you do anything now we don't really like that pressure because lord i don't want to be the one determining the hogs and the dogs i would rather you do that but the scripture says that you and i have to determine that so i'm not to judge people but i am to judge people I don't throw what's precious to me at the feet of pigs. What's precious to me? The Word of God. Hey, do you know somebody who every time you talk to them about God, they ridicule Him, they mock Him, they blaspheme His name? You know somebody like that? I, I know people like that. You know what the Bible says to me? Stop giving Him the Word. Don't throw your pearls before swine. Don't give what's holy to the dogs. When somebody ridicules and mocks God and blasphemes His name every time you bring up the conversation, the Bible says withhold that information. Stop. Don't give it to Him. Don't do that. Lord, I really don't like making that determination, but the Lord gives that to me to make. Let me show you some scripture. Acts chapter 18. Paul began devoting himself completely to the word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. And when they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. And it says after that that Paul left and went to the Gentiles. What did Paul do just there? He stopped casting his pearls before swine. He stopped giving what's holy to the dogs. Now, let me show you some more scripture, not just based upon one. A second Peter chapter 2, verse 22, it says, It happened to them according to the true proverb, A dog returns to its own vomit, and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. Peter's talking about false teachers bringing heresy to the church, bringing false information, things that aren't true. What does Paul say? A proverb. They're like a dog returning to its vomit and a pig after being washed, wallowing in the mire. Here's one more. Titus 3.10. Parentheses are on me, okay? Reject a factious man. A disputing man maybe would help you understand. Reject a disputing man after a first and second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. Have you ever had somebody that's factious in your life when it comes to religion, when it comes to Christ, when it comes to truth? 
they're always disputing, they're always erroring, they're always trying to bring up stink, they're always trying to change the conversation. Paul says, resist that man, reject him, stop casting your pearls before him. Now, where do we, where do we draw the line with that, Lord? I thought we were supposed to witness to everybody. We are, and we are supposed to do that. We're supposed to love and take the gospel everywhere. But there comes a time when you have to make a judgment call. And you have to shake the dust off your feet and move on. Amen? Take that word to somebody else. Take the truth to another person in your family. Because that man is factious. That man is uh, blaspheming. That man is mocking. That man's heart has hardened to the point he won't hear truth. So, the Bible says we move on. Today, we could say that about anybody in our society, couldn't we? So we have to make a determination. We have to make a judgment. God's grace is still alive. But there comes a time when I have to shake that dust and move on with my life and the gospel message. This takes a judgment call. This makes me make a judgment call. Believers must be discerning people. Who's a dog and who's a hog? I don't really know, Lord, but he'll reveal it to me and he'll show me at that moment, at that time, when I need to stop. Do we have the right to do this? God's word says so. I don't want that right. I don't really want to make that determination, but God says in verse 6, Do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine. God's telling you it's your call. You have to make that determination. I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Lord Jesus Christ. I need Him in my life to help me make that decision about what happens. Who blasphemes the Word? Who ridicules the Word? Who mistrusts God's Word? Make a judgment call and then move on as you are intended to do. How do I make that call, Brother Clay? Here's how. You make it in the light, uh, make judgment in light of God's Word. All right, make judgment in light of God's word. As God shines his word upon that particular moment, time, person, place, you make that decision. God tells us in verse 1, don't judge. In verse 6, he tells me, do judge. Do you see the difference? To be discerning. Same word in the Greek and Hebrew, but in English we understand it differently. To judge someone is to condemn them. To discern someone is to understand them. And I have to make that discernment as a believer, as a Christian. And I make it in response to God's word. Believers must be discerning people. Not condemning, but discerning. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 2. But he who is spiritual discerns all things. How else would I say that in the Greek? He who is spiritual judges all things. Everything that comes to me, everything that comes to you, I have to make a judgment call on it. Is this lining up with Scripture? Is this heresy? Is this okay for me to do? Is this not okay for me to do as a believer? Who would I hurt if I did this? Who would I help if I did that? Everything is appraised, discerned, judged by a believer. Everything. 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 I have to make a determination on what is true and what is correct. What is spiritual? How do I have that 
How do I have that power? I have a relationship with God. And he reveals that standard to us through the scripture. First John chapter 4, John writes to the people, test the spirits and make sure they are of God. Any spirit that denies that Jesus came in the flesh is not of God. Amen? Amen. So we got all kinds of churches, we got all kinds of religions, all but Christianity really deny Jesus' deity. They deny him as God in the flesh. John writes through God's hand, telling us to test that. Judge it. Judge that teaching. Judge that denomination. Make a discernment about that. Then shake it off and move on if it denies that Jesus came in the flesh. It's required for you and I to make a decision. I have to know if there is truth or if there is heresy. It's a judgment call that we all have to make. What happens when we make a judgment call on our society and the way some of them are living today? What happens? As I told you earlier, they're going to pull out the Bible on you the same way that Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, right? And Satan says, I want you to do this. And Jesus says, it's written. And Satan says, oh, but it says this and that. Here, I said, when society and you and I make a determination, a discernment, a judgment call on society, here's what they say. Verse 1, do not judge me. You're judging me. You're judging me. You can't do that as a Christian. You have to accept me. You are making a judgment against me. No, I'm not. I'm making a discernment based upon what you say and what Scripture says. I'm not judging you, my friend. I would rather you come to the truth and be saved. My Lord Jesus didn't come to judge you. He came to save you. And that's why I'm here, to help you understand Scripture. I'm not judging you. I'm not condemning you. I'm making a determination, a discernment, a judgment call between your lifestyle and what you believe and what Scripture says is true. If you can't understand that and can't handle that, I can't help that. Do you see that? We're not judging them. But we're going to let them scream out that we are judging them. And we have to understand they don't understand Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 and verse 6. They don't understand it. We have to explain it to them. You know, we've wandered a little bit away from verse 1. Do not judge lest you be judged. But I wanted you to see what it is not and what it is. What it is is to condemn somebody to talk about them, to, to place judgment on them because of their actions and their behaviors. Jesus says, stop it. Don't do that. We do make determinations. We do make judgment calls on people. We do have to have that uh, freedom and that flexibility to, to pick between truth and fiction, between scripture and heresy. We have to have that determination, but we do not condemn people. First, how do we do that, Brother Clay? Look at yourself and understand the person you're talking about, the person you're making a judgment call on was you 30 years ago. You are the same situation they're in today. It's just you 30 years ago. You see that? 
We have to look within ourselves. We have to show godly character in our judgment. We have to show discernment in our judgment. Jeremiah 17 says this, God searches the heart and he tests the mind. I mean, God knows. He knows all of the motives of men. You know what? You don't know the motives. You don't really know why I'm up here preaching God's word. Oh, you might have a thought. You might have a, you think you know, but you really don't know why I'm up here. And I don't know why you do what you do. Oh, I have an idea, and I, and I see, and I experience with you things, and, and, and I see you outside or inside, wherever, but I really don't know why you do what you do. But Jeremiah says, God searches the heart. God tests the mind. God knows why I'm up here preaching. God knows why you do what you do. Amen. Our judgment then must be of a healing kind, not a condemning kind. That's what Jesus is after today. Stop condemning people. It's just you 30 years ago. Be healing in that salt application. Don't rub it into their wound. Heal them with that. Take it upon you to be the one that steps up and puts your arm around that person you're condemning and lead them back to the Lord or to the Lord for the first time ever. You see that? I want to read you a, a little story that I found about a young boy named Teddy uh, Stalwart. All right? It goes like this. Three years ago, a friend of mine shared with me the true story of Teddy Stollard, who, by his own admission, was an unattractive, unmotivated little boy in school. He was one of those little boys the teachers find it difficult to like and easy to judge as the problem child. Teddy was a source of great frustration for his fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Thompson, who all day long faced his deadpan, unfocused stare. Although she said she loved all her students, Mrs. Thompson had to admit that deep down she wasn't being honest. She didn't like Teddy, and she even received a certain perverse pleasure in marking his papers with red ink and writing a big fat F on it. Her view of Teddy was already distorted by her judgment of him. But she should have known better. As his teacher, she had his records, and she knew more about Teddy than she wanted to admit. First grade, Teddy shows promise with his work and attitude, but he has a poor home situation. Second grade, Teddy could do better. Mother is seriously ill. He receives little help at home. Third grade, Teddy is a good boy, but he is too serious. He is a slow learner. His mother died this year. Fourth grade, Teddy is very slow, but well-behaved. His father shows no interest. At Christmas time, Mrs. Thompson's class all brought her presents in pretty wrappings and gathered around to watch her open them. She was surprised when she received a gift from Teddy. It was a crudely wrapped piece of brown paper loosely held together with tape. When she opened it, out fell a gaudy rhinestone bracelet with half of the stones missing and a bottle of cheap perfume. The other children began to giggle. But she had enough sense to put on the bracelet and apply some of the perfume to her wrist, and she asked the class, doesn't it smell lovely? 
And when school was over and the other children had left, Teddy lingered behind. He slowly came over to her desk and said softly, Mrs. Thompson, you smell just like my mom used to smell. And her bracelet looks really pretty on you. I'm glad you like my presence. When Teddy left, Miss Thompson got down on her knees and asked God to forgive her. The next day, when the children came to school, they were welcomed by <coughs> excuse me, a new teacher. For Mrs. Thompson had become a new person. She was no longer just a judgmental teacher. She had become an agent of God seeking to heal. The log in her eye was gone, and she had a clear eye now to see and to help by the grace of God. She was now a person committed to loving all her children and doing things for them that would live on after her. By the end of that school year, Teddy showed dramatic improvement and had come up with most of the students. After she did not hear from Teddy for after that she did not hear from Teddy for a long time. Then one day she received a note that said, "Miss dear Thompson, dear Miss Thompson, I wanted you to be the first to know I will be graduating second in my class. Love, Teddy Stollard. Four years later, she received another note. Dear Miss Thompson, they just told me I will be graduating first in my class. I wanted you to be the first to know. The university has not been easy, but I made it. Love, Teddy Stollard. Finally, she received another note. Dear Miss Thompson, as of today, I am known as Theodore Stollard, M.D. How about that? I wanted you to be the first to know. I am getting married next month, the 27th to be exact. I want you to come and sit where my mother would sit if she were still alive. You are the only family I have now. My dad passed away last year. Love, Teddy Stollard. Mrs. Thompson went to that wedding she deserved to sit where his mother would have sat. She had earned that right. God had removed the log in her eye, given her clear vision, and by his spirit in her had done something for Teddy that changed his life forever. And all of this happened because one Christian stopped leaping to judgment and looked to heal. Wow, what a beautiful story. Amen. It's what God wants us to do. Stop making judgments on people. Start healing them. Be discerning about your spirit. Let me ask you today, who have you judged in the past? Let me ask you something else. Who are you judging even today? Are you condemning them or are you healing them? Be careful because he knows. Let's pray. Father, bless this moment in time as we come to you in a time of um, invitation, a time of decision. You've told us what to do today. I pray that you give us the courage and the ability to do it. I pray that we become that healing Christian and not the judging Christian. I pray, Father, that you help every one of us here overcome that in our life. We all have it. We all do it. Forgive us, God. And help us to heal. Help us to move forward this day and let you do great things in our life. Even bringing up a Teddy Stollard in our life. Father, thank you for that.
And we pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may...